welcome to wherever you may be. We're part of the 90-minute podcast network. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to be talking all things Chelsea. My name is Olivia Bazaglo, and joining me today is Charlie Skillen, as always. And we've actually got a special guest. Chris Davis from 90 Min joins us. Chris, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. Uh, good, thank you. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. And Charlie, how are you feeling after last night? Yeah, well, it was it was a good win, wasn't it? It was a good win. It doesn't feel quite... Um... Like last season after beating Tottenham away, but it was it was a good win and it's important um, for our kind of top four aspirations. So yeah, please. Good. Right, we are going to actually start with a few quick fire questions just to get to know Chris a little better. Seeing as it's it's his first time on the podcast, you only got one word answers. We're going to put you on the spot oh, here, God. Chris. Right, we've got five <laughs> questions. No pressure. Don't get them wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Number one, your all-time favourite Chelsea player. Lampard. Oh same uh your favorite oh this is a good question your favorite chelsea kit is that possible to answer in in one word i would say um <laughs> the one i had when i was a kid was again a bit of cliche but the this i think it was 2003 to 2005 um the umbro one with a v-neck had my name yeah. in the back favorite number yeah Love that. I had a reversible one back when I was a kid. I absolutely yeah, loved yeah, it. Yeah, that one was reversible. Oh, so that one, is that the yeah, reversible yeah. one? Love it's good it. Good yeah. <laughs> um, I think I know this one, but your best moment as a fan? Yeah, I mean, Munich 2012. Although <laughs> I would say the semi-final and Torres's goal at the end was also unbelievable. Watching that in a pub, I hugged some random bloke. I've no idea who he was. <laughs> Do you know, yeah. I, I do this all the time. Do you know what's really funny, actually? Obviously, it was four years ago to the day, yesterday, when um, Hazard scored that goal against Arsenal. And the funniest yeah. thing about that is I have a video on my phone that was caught on the cameras at work of me absolutely going mental. I'm being lifted up by my mate and then I'm hugging the guy in front of me. I've got absolutely no idea who he is. But I'm just, you know, I think that's just <laughs> what happens when you go to football. Um, this, uh, this, a signing you were most disappointed by? Poor. Um, there's been so many of those. Um, <laughs> God, I guess, I guess Fernando Torres, because that mm. felt like it was going to kind of usher in a new era um, for Chelsea, kind of attacking wise. Um, and that, yeah, that kind of just didn't go as planned, did it? As as with so many others, it didn't. But but he did repay us for winning the corner in Munich and exactly. for the goal against Barcelona in the semi-final. Exactly, yeah. so that 50 my... million was repaid 100%. He gave me my best moment, yeah, so there, there you go. <laughs> and just finally, a player you will defend to the death on Twitter. Whoa, um, that is another difficult one. Um, I think probably Timo Werner so far this season. Yeah, I think Mason yeah. Mount, I don't think... Weirdly, he doesn't come in for much criticism from other fans. He, well, actually, to be fair, I've had a lot of mates telling me he's overrated. But <laughs> um, I think, yeah, Mount or Werner, personally, yeah, this season. Okay, right, perfect. So that's that's Chris. That you've got to know Chris a little better. Right, we're going to get onto the game now because it was actually a great win. Um, I just want to know because I actually came into this game, guys, not as excited as I should have been for a London derby. But also when we went 1-0 up, usually I'm having heart palpitations when we run it up with 10 minutes to go. I want to know what, Charlie, what did that feel like for you? Like watching that game, what did it mean? Did it feel like a London derby? Did it feel like a game against Spurs that, you know, we look forward to the most? 
Uh, no, in a word, of course. Um, obviously, not being there um, plays a massive part. And, and not only not being there, but like, you know, no fans in the ground. So, you know, whether you're watching that in the pub and there's fans on the ground or at home with fans on the ground or whether you're actually there, I think it makes a huge difference. Um, for obvious reasons, given the um, events of the last couple of weeks at Chelsea, I'm a little bit disillusioned with it. Um, although, having said that, look, it was a very good win and I thought, um, you know, it, it was a really big game. I agree, like waking up yesterday morning, it didn't quite feel like that, but um, it, 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 was a, it was a very good win and um, I'm glad to see some of these players that have been quite poor have um, pulled their socks up a little bit as they needed to do. And yeah, it was good to get the three points. Although you're right, at the end, it was a bit nervy. I, I, I felt like given our comments, <laughs> we should have killed the game off a bit more. And it just would have been classic Mourinho to get some spawny goal. And then we're then we're sitting here um, distraught, you know, at a game that we absolutely deserve to win. So it's, it's just great that we did get the three points. Krish, this, like Charlie said there, were you disappointed that, you know, we didn't test Hugo Lloris more because, you know, Mason Mount had a shot that he he saved well. But apart from that, I can't really remember many clear-cut chances that we had. And in that game, you know, they had Vinicius had a header, which he really should have scored, but like, and it should have been 1-1. Um, is that Does that worry you that, and this is the same under most managers we've had at Chelsea, especially Lampard last season, that we don't take our chances and we struggle to kill off games? Yeah, exactly. I think that was one of my main takeaways last night. Um, as impressive as we were in possession, uh, you have to kind of use that possession a bit better than we did and create more chances. Um, and yeah, as as Charlie said, it could very easily become a disappointing result had that header gone in. Um, uh, if you're going to have that much of the ball, you kind of just you have to use it better. We lack that cutting edge. And I think so far only against Burnley really have we kind of used those two chances we've created and they've come from defenders those goals um so you do worry a bit there but having said that I do think Werner looked a lot sharper he was kind of having cracks at goal that even though they were blocked they looked um a bit more threatening than some of his other displays recently Charlie, would you agree with that? Because he did win the penalty. I think he's won the most penalties in the Premier League this season. But when I watched that game, I was still a little bit disappointed with his performance. I thought his first touch was a little bit off and it did seem like we weren't playing to his strengths. What did you make of Timo Werner's performance? Um, it's, it's, I've said this before. It's going, back, it's going back to someone we mentioned earlier. He he just reminds me of Torres at the minute. He he, he, play, he he comes too deep, his, his shoulders drop. I do agree that he looked a little bit more lively last night. Um, I don't think, you know, he, he was kind of one of our better players, but also he, I think he functioned very well in the system and, and he did, um, he, he, he contributed attacking-wise, but as Chris touched on, um, it's a little bit of a worry how none of the attacking players are scoring at the minute. Um, and he's obviously, you know, more culpable than anyone for that. I still, you know, need to see a hell of a lot more from him. Um, although I do think the system worked well. So I think if he if he is to play in that role for a, a decent run of games, hopefully, you know, the first goal should open the floodgates. Although we thought that with the uh, goal against Morecambe <laughs> or whoever it was. Um, I, you know, I, I think it was like a, it was like a functional performance. He, 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 um, he worked hard and, and obviously won the penalty and kind of, Mm. aided the attacking movement but I, I mean in, 
let's face it, it wasn't anything spectacular. I, d- I don't know how you guys feel, but I felt like the main frustration from last night was that Tottenham was so poor that it was really a chance to kind of make a statement and bop them like 3-4-0. Um, and that sort of passed mm. us by with those missed opportunities, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it's about... Sorry, Olivia. It's about, no, no, um, it's about kind of once we get to that final third, I, I do still feel like the intelligence and the the end product is lacking both in the movement and execution. I mean, we saw well, Mason Mount was man of the match last night, but, you know, just when we get to that final bit, he he could have he should have crossed in low, I think, um, from a Hudson-Odoi ball and went straight up in the air. And then there was there was Werner's block shots and a couple of other ones mm-hmm. that went amiss. And, and we still ended up with only one shot on target. So I, I think you're right, Chris. I mean, Tottenham was so poor, like so mm-hmm. bad. And I think this is a, another thing about there being no fans, that they wouldn't have been allowed to get away with being that poor mm. and that defensive in front of a full stadium. A, the crowd would be going mad and urging them up the pitch. B, I think even just naturally, it's a psychological thing um, with the team in front of their home crowd. Um, there's no way they would play quite like that. And I mean, they mm. they were happy to let us have the ball. It obviously played to Jorginho's strengths. Um and yeah, we, we actually didn't do enough with that possession to carve out. You know, when a team against you plays like that, you should, if you're in the groove of playing well, you should be carving out chance after chance. And we weren't doing that. It's just, you know, it is, it is a little bit of a worry. Yeah, it's a little bit frustrating, but hopefully, you know, we've got Sheffield United and Newcastle next. So plenty of opportunity for, you know, to turn those chances into goals. Now, you mentioned Jorginho there and playing to his strengths. Krish, he seems to be a player transformed under Thomas Tuchel. Um, I didn't think the, Bur- the the Wolves and the Burnley games were much to go by, um, but I thought he was particularly impressive in, in this game against Spurs. And that partnership with Mateo Kovacic seems to be flourishing at the moment. Yeah, I think um, it's well-timed as well, because when Ingola Kante came on, he didn't, he didn't get into the game and uh, looked a bit wobbly, especially on the ball. I think he gave it away to... Um, Lucas Moore at one point and kind of hacked him down but yeah I really enjoyed watching Jorginho last night I think he thrives when he has that much space because Spurs were giving him a lot of space but um, playing out from the back on the half turn he looked so comfortable and he was actually distributing well and forward um, which is kind of exactly what we needed and yeah Kovacic is almost the perfect foil to that because he just gets about so well um, up and down box to box um, and he, he, I, I wish he was better at shooting because he, he gets into these <laughs> great positions and you kind of never really back him to score, um, oh. which was the case last night. But um, yeah, it looks good with those two. And, and hopefully with Kante, if he gets back into form, uh, that gives us another option as well. Well, this is the thing, Charlie. What For me, if N'Golo Kante's fit, N'Golo Kante starts. Like I, I think he's too good to be sitting on the bench, admittedly. Like Chris says, he came on and was a little bit wobbly, didn't look um, to his like to his best. But Thomas Tuchel's got a real problem now, hasn't he? Because who does he start against Sheffield United when we're going to have a lot of the ball? Do you reckon he's going to go with Jorginho and Kovacic again, given it's been going well, and then leave someone like N'Golo Kante on the bench? Firstly, we're back to your pronunciation expertise, aren't we? Is it definitely Tuchel? Yes, Tuchel. it is. Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> nice one. Um, I think... <laughs> Taking the Sheffield United game in isolation, I think there's no doubt in my mind he'll play Jorginho and Kovacic. Um, looking a bit longer term, 
look, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a Jorginho fan. I'm really not. I, I think he's, he's very good at what he did last night. I mm. wonder, I agree, yeah. you know, I, I, I wonder what, how often he's going to be able to do that because mm. frankly, we're just not, if he plays one of the best ways to beat Chelsea is to kind of put two men on him and try mm. and try and physically dominate them in field, which is, is quite easy when you have Jorginho and Kovacic there. Um, I don't know why Tottenham didn't do that last night. That was um, when the teams were announced. Uh, you know, I, I felt confident, but that's where I was worried. The first mm. time any team did that to um, Jorginho, uh, was the first game we lost under Sarri, which was at Wembley against Tottenham, and they completely nullified him. Um, yeah. And so longer term, I, I don't, He's not an option every week in the Premier League for me, you know, particularly alongside Kovacic. It all looks a little bit too lightweight for me. Mm. Having said that, last night he was very good, but I think purely because we had so much of the, the ball and he was allowed to yeah. do what he is very good at. And I mm. think taking the Sheffield United game, the same will probably be true. Um, you know, they'll want us to have the ball. I, I think he will and should start after a, after a good performance last night. Um, bit longer term, I'd, I he's not the answer for me. Chris, aren't we just happy that he's got rid of that stupid skip? Oh because God. when he took that penalty, I was buzzing. I was like, right, he's just taken a penalty because I was <laughs> I was dreading it, thinking that he was going to do that skip, and he was because he's missed the last couple, hasn't he? And then I thought Werner was on them, Werner's missed the last couple. Yeah. Now Jorginho's back on them, but to get rid of that skip and just smash it in the corner, it was a brilliant penalty. Have we see, finally seen the end of it? <laughs> I, I like the skip, but yeah, I agree. It's it's not been working for him recently. And uh, that was more or less the perfect penalty. Lloris was pretty close to reaching it. Um, and that just goes to show how well he sort of stuck it in the mm. corner. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of hoping to see Werner take that, to be honest. I thought that might have been a good yeah. way of kind of building his confidence back. But equally, if we have two penalty takers who haven't scored a penalty in a while, that doesn't bode well. So it's good to get one of them off the mark at least. Definitely. I'm always just, I think personally for me, if you do a stupid run up, you deserve it to be saved or you deserve to be missed. That's the way I look at penalties. I like Harry Kane's. I hate, like obviously I'm not going to big up Spurs, but Harry Kane's penalty technique is perfect. It's the perfect run up. He smashes it in the corner, never misses. That is what, that is what people should take, how, how people should take he penalties. Does, he does the quick steps though. Do you like that? Yeah, I like. I don't mind. Spot. I don't. Yeah, I don't mind that on the spot, but no, there's hop, skip or whatever. I'm just no. Or stopping. I'm like, no. No, not for me. Anyway, obviously it was a massive win. We're only four points off Liverpool, who were sat in fourth. They've obviously got Manchester City next. We've got Sheffield United next. Charlie, is is the top four back on, or was it actually never off? I don't. I mean, I, it wasn't looking good, but I don't think it was ever off. Be ludicrous to say so. I think you know the the fixtures are packed so tightly. Um, I I think we were always capable of doing it. Admittedly the whole mood of the team didn't seem conducive um, and the way we were playing, it didn't seem conducive to achieving that. But the fact that we've now had two draws and a win and we shot at the table to, to as you say, within four points of Liverpool shows that it was always on. I'm, I mean, mm. that's in the space of three games. I mean, we've got to remember when Lampard was sacked, it was six weeks after being top of the league. So, I mean, that is the way the Premier League is this season. And I think more to the point, the team, there's a couple of teams above us who have played very well this season, like um, I think West Ham is still above us and, uh, yeah, and Leicester and Everton mm. and Villa are kind of there and thereabouts. Um, but, I, 
But I do think over the course of the next however many games we got left, um, I always thought that we were going to pick up more points than those teams. Um, so that automatically puts you kind of fifth or sixth. And then, you know, it's just a, just a couple of big wins like last night. And I, I, think, I think we will do it now. I, I, I do. I, but um, I don't think it was ever off. So, um, Chris, we've obviously got Sheffield United and Newcastle. But after that, um, it's Southampton, Atletico Madrid, United, Everton, Leeds, Atletico Madrid, Liverpool. That's a massive run of games. And these games are obviously must, must win Sheffield United and, and Newcastle. We struggled in this fixture last season. In fact, we got battered in this fixture last season. Obviously, Sheffield United are a very different side to what they were last season. Does this game worry you? Because they have got, you know, they've got a, picked up a couple of points recently. Are you worried or do you think this, is, this should be, you know, a, a relatively simple game for Chelsea? Yeah, there is... There is some concern to an extent. I think there will be for a while when when Chelsea have these away games at this sort of tougher tackling sides um, who uh, kind of deploy a low block, uh, which Chelsea have really struggled against so far this season. Um, I think, yeah, going back to what Charlie said about Jorginho, that's maybe where he should look to make a tweak because having two kind of lightweight midfielders in there against a team like Sheffield United may not be... The best way forward um but yeah i think two shells two sorry two two kill has shown so far that he's willing to rotate and kind of play the best system um per fixture uh so i think maybe there could be some changes there because i don't i don't know yeah i don't really back um a midfield of Jorginho and kovacic necessarily against a more physical side um but having said that Sheffield United, when they've been bad, have been really bad. So we should yeah. be good enough to get the result. And I think the form since uh, Tuchel take, took over um, demonstrates that we sh- probably should have enough to, to beat them and enough confidence, especially off a, a, a good result against Spurs. Yeah, definitely. And and like Chris says there, Charlie, Tuchel, we know apparently also likes to make changes to the lineup depending on the team and likes to make changes to the formation. Obviously, 3-4-3 three, three seems to have worked um, since Tuchel's taken charge. Do you see him changing that or changing any of the personnel, maybe changing the striker or the midfield? Or do you reckon he's going to go very similar to that Spurs lineup? Because Spurs and Sheffield United pose very different threats. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um... I think we probably need a bit more height in the team than we had last night. I'd I'd pro- I'd probably start Tammy Abraham. Um, I think he I I think Reese James played so well last night. I'd be I'd be pretty gutted if he was dropped. But I can see um, uh, Tuchel uh, reverting to using Hudson Odoi there if he doesn't think we're going to be pinned back um, attacking wise, which obviously against Sheffield United is, is probably going to be the case. Um, but I think this system. The system will will flourish if it's you know drummed into the players, and I, I know it's great to switch it up. But if you remember the first season under Conte, the fact that that system was so drilled—I mean, that just caught the rest of the league off guard. Mm. We put fourteen wins together in a row, and everyone else had to catch up, and we ended up winning the league by a canter. Um, and I think I I do think teams work best when everyone knows their job. And if if this is the way forward, if this is the way the manager wants to do things, then then I think. I think we should um, we should stick with it. Um, the personnel, I think, for um, playing against obviously the bottom side in the league may may well change. 
Definitely. Right. Quick prediction before we get the, some of the listeners involved. What do you reckon, Charlie? Um, 4-1 Chelsea. Oh, nice. You're going... Same as at our place. Same I as think. the home picture. Um, Chris? That was very positive. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be quite as positive. I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea, but I think it's going to be tough. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go 2-0 Chelsea. I think it'll be a fourth clean sheet for Tuchel in a row. But obviously, Thiago Silva missing, who was brilliant yesterday when he started. I, th- I think genuinely think he would have been named man of the match had he have played the full 90. But just for the end of this pod now, we are we like to get you, the listeners, involved. And I asked you guys, have you had any questions for, for us to answer? And quite a few of you got back to me. So that was really nice. So I picked out a few that I'm going to get Chris and Charlie to answer today. Now, the first one is from Reese J. McQuillan. And he says, do you think Tuchel will always play with wingbacks? So very similar to the chat we've had about changing the formation. And if so, will Alonso always be first choice over Chilwell? Or do you think he might potentially rotate with the amount of games? Chris, I'll come to you. Um, I think there will definitely come a point where Chilwell gets a game. Um, I would say that he had sort of gone off the boil a bit at the end of, towards the end of Lampard's tenure. And maybe Tuchel has seen that and kind of just taking him, taking him out of the firing line. Um Alonso is so good at left wing back though. That's the thing. Like he going back mm. to Conte's time, um, he's he's been an unbelievable player for us. He scores some ridiculous goals that most left backs could never dream of. Um and puts in a real shift, even though he hasn't got quite got the pace that you would like. Like even last night I thought he was really good, um, covered his his flank well. Um so, yeah, I think Chilwell will get a chance and then it, he'll have to play well uh, to get back in the starting lineup. It just depends, as we said, um, if Tuchel likes to rotate his system, there could be an opportunity for him to come back in at left back or, yeah. There's there's two good options to have, isn't there? I mean, personally, I'd go with Ben Chilwell as a left wing back over Marcus Alonso, but we all know how good Marcus Alonso is as a left wing back. Um, I thought this was quite a nice one. Archie's asked Charlie... Given the resurgence of, of Jorginho Lankova in midfield and also having Gilmore to slot in if he wants, what does the future look like for players such as Conor Gallagher, who's been brilliant for West Brom, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek at Chelsea? Have they got futures at the club? Um, unfortunately, in Loftus-Cheek case, I think probably not now. Um, it's a real shame. He's played very well for Fulham. I just... I think this season was a real key one for him. Um, he's just had such bad luck with injuries. And I, I just I just think almost for his sake as well, he's he's benefited from a change of scene. And I, I, I don't think that he will end up being a kind of a regular Chelsea player again. And that's really unfortunate because when he has been good, he's been brilliant. You know, I think he's one of the best kids to have come out of the academy in the last 10 years without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Sorry, I've rumbled on there. I forgot the first one. <laughs> uh, Billy um, Gilmore, uh, Conor Gallagher, yeah. and Billy uh, Conor, Conor Gallagher yeah. again been brilliant on loan. This was one of the big, real shames about the Lampard sacking for me, is that you could, you could see that there was a real willing and a real plan to bring through certain players. Obviously, we saw uh, Andrew in get a few games. Gilmore was, a you know almost first choice by the end, and I I would like to see him. Um, reinstated in that role. I was disappointed not to see him on the bench last night. Again, I don't really know what's going on there. Um, Conor Gallagher, I, I I would like to see back in the squad. I think I think we've kind mm. of missed 
we've missed that kind of player a little bit in, in letting Loftus-Cheek and Ross Barkley go, neither of which potentially first choice. Um, but mm. I think we've missed that little bit more of a dynamic midfielder. So I'd like, I'd like him to come back. But again, I think this is, like I said, this is one of the big shames about the Lampard sacking this, this overall identity of the club and bringing three players. And going back to the point about Alonso and Chilwell, you know, if you're if you want to build a team for the future, I mean, it, it's no it's no contest as to who should be playing. I agree that when Chelsea were bad, he he dropped right off the boil, but when we were good in the first stage of the season. He was brilliant. excellent. You know, he looked yeah. like the new Ashley Cole. Um, mm. I was really surprised how good he was, actually. Yeah. You know, I'd seen him play for Leicester a few times and whatever, but watching yeah. him closely every week, I was so surprised how good he was. He did drop off very badly. And I'd, I'd like to see those players that we bought clearly with an eye to like building a team for the future. I'd like to see those players involved a lot more. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're going to do just two more because uh, Mendy uh, has, has tweeted me and asked, Chris, I'm going to, you, you can you ask meant, this one. I thought you meant Edward. <laughs> yeah, Edward's just dropped me a message. Um, he would like to know, how would you fit Abraham in this system so both he so he can play with Timo Werner and they can have like a partnership up front? They, we obviously tried once and, and Tammy was substituted off at half time. Is that a, you know, a realistic thing under Tuchel? Do you think playing Timo and Tammy or say maybe uh, Timo and, and Giroud, do you think? Or do you think he's just going to go for one striker? Um, I think it depends kind of how how focused he is on getting the best out of Werner because I think we know that that system would help Werner um, at Leipzig playing off a kind of bigger striker. That's how he was kind of most productive on just like slightly to the left, slightly behind them in a more yeah. sort of free role. Um, I'm still not entirely convinced by Tammy Abraham as a regular starting striker and obviously mm -hmm. Olivier Giroud is coming towards the end of his career as good as he is when he does start um, so I do think that may be something they have to look at um, come the summer um, I think one of the things we need at the moment is a bit of consistency and Tuchel is still obviously getting used to these players and the system so if he settles on that for a few games and I think only then will we see it become fruitful because at the moment things are chopping and changing so much that it's impossible for, for any kind of relationships to form or partnerships to form. Um, so yeah, I, I would be all for that if he kind of gave it the opportunity um, and gave it a bit of breathing space because yeah. it's, it's not like anyone is, is absolutely banging them in for us at the moment anyway, is it? <laughs> no, definitely not. Right, okay, final question. And this is the one that I would love to know the answer to. And Charlie, I'm going to try and get you to answer it, although I don't know if you're going to be able to. Why mm -hmm. does Mason Mount get so much stick? Carefree Youth has tweeted that. Um, he doesn't get it. All he sees is a quality footballer. All I see is a quality footballer. All anyone that knows football sees is a quality footballer. So why does he constantly get so much stick? Please enlighten me, Charlie. <laughs> well, I mean, the first the first thing, I think you've got to look at where the stick is coming from. Is I mean, I'm, mm. I actually kind of have taken a massive step back from Twitter because I, I just, I don't enjoy yeah. the, the... Toxic. Completely devoid. Yeah, the, the toxicity on there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's completely devoid of nuance and mm. it's, you know, people, there's so many of these little accounts who just have their favorite players and push those and, you know, mm. post pictures with X's through other players and whatever. And I just, I just had enough of it. 
So I think yeah. if it's if it's though if it's that kind of stick, um, a I don't know why it is, but b I also think it's fairly irrelevant. And I think when when yeah. fans are Attention. allowed to, yeah, exactly. I think when fans are allowed to get back in the ground, um, I think you will see that Mason Mount does have a huge su- um, support among the Chelsea yeah. fans. I mean, for me. Mount, I, I I think he's brilliant. I think he's I think he's been our best player over the last eighteen months yeah. by a country mile. Um, if you take mm. everything into consideration, I think he was man of the match again last night. He mm. and in terms of like a kind of favourite player and or a player that's coming into the side, I just don't know what more people want. You know, he's uh, yeah. he's been at Chelsea since he was you know a baby. Um, mm. He you know runs himself into the ground every single game. Um, even mm. when we were poor, he was the only one that looked like a footballer, and he pops mm. up with a goal every now and then. I mean, he, he's, mm. I mean, and it's to his credit because he made yeah. he's. Well, we saw last night he's made himself crucial to the team again. People were a bit, mm. you know, when he didn't start Tuchel's first game, um, I was a bit worried yeah. that Lampard playing through him, which he did. He was so crucial mm. to the Lampard system. I wondered if those days were kind of over, but he's kind of yeah. stepped up, obviously impressed in training, and kind of made himself crucial again. Um, so I don't, any stick he does re- receive is mm. wholly unjustified and ludicrous, um, yeah. and, and done by people who are clearly not watching the games very carefully, but the source of that stick, I would argue is completely irrelevant. Yeah. It's attention seeking. I just think they've got nothing better to do than go in on a player who, yeah, I agree, Charlie. Chelsea's best player over the last 18 months. He was brilliant again against Spurs. Um, I saw this tweet from Gary Hayes, actually, which I retweeted personally. He said, just make Mason Mount Chelsea captain already. In a team where there aren't the standout leaders, leaders, he's everything. The best player sets the standard, committed, motivates those around him and Chelsea to his core. He's everything you want in a player. And I think that perfectly sums up Mason Mount. And I'd, I'd love him to be Chelsea captain. But listen, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on today's pod. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Charlie. Um, you've both been absolutely brilliant. If you could drop us a review, it would You've be very much <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Very much appreciated. Um do it like subscribe if you haven't already and if you enjoyed the conversation and what you heard today. We will be back again next week to review hopefully another win against Sheffield United and look again to the upcoming game against Barnsley and of course that massive Newcastle game in the Premier League as well. We'll see you all next time on wherever you may be. 